what's going on, y'all? I am Jeremiah, and you are listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Jeremiah Harding let me know uh, uh, yesterday in a Twitter message that he was working today, which has never been a reason why he hasn't been a part of this show. So I'm not sure why he decided that he needed to work, but I, I don't even know if he is actually working. Who knows? He could be deceptive. He he might just be sitting at home combing his hair, thinking about how much he hates the Bilderberg group. That feels a little more likely. Well, I hope I hope he has a good day at work. I am interested to see what he, what he's doing. Most of his stuff thus far has been online sort of labor, other than uh, minimal uh, outside work. Um, I'm dusting off my microphone and my webcam. Apparently, it's been a while, huh? So, this today is September 10th, 2017. Last weekend was Labor Day, and by the way, on Labor Day, I'm going to be at a wedding as a groomsman, so there will not be a podcast. So, you are welcome for the heads up. Uh, fun. It was fun weekend. In case you're wondering how that went, I don't know if you care. Here's here's just a little thing about me. I don't want to make this podcast very long. So I love being a groomsman in a wedding. In weddings, there's there's just something about being a part of this event that is nearly always almost exclusively positive, and being able to share in this life changing moment with other people. That's super fun. And also, you get to hang out with a bunch of fun people generally who are like you. Because if your friend wants you to be a groomsman, probably he has similar friends that are also fun and enjoyable. Sadly, I am at this place in my life right now where I don't know of anyone that will be getting married in the next few years that might have me as a groomsman in their wedding. It looks like that stage of my life is temporarily over until my friends start getting divorced and remarried. Uh, if uh, If you happen to live in the Midwest area and you would like a groomsman to be a part of your wedding who is super fun and really skilled at explaining why statism is idiocy, then, you know, hit, hit me up. States are stupid at gmail.com. As long as you're paying for the expenses, I do not want to pay for another tux. And you don't mind the fact that I can't dance. I'm willing to try. And I do try, but it is absolutely pathetic. I don't know. It's like, you know how, you know, kids dance and they're really bad at it, but people clap for them anyway. They're like, yeah, that's silly. They suck at dancing. They'll get better later. I'm I'm kind of, it's almost like a pity clap. That's kind of what it's like for me where I'm dancing where if I was a kid I'd get a pity clap but now I'm I'm just pitiable and people are like get get off of this fucking dance floor. A uh, good weekend it was a, a wedding away from home with the family but we did all right in terms of sleeping in a hotel and stuff which was real rough last time with our little boy but we came away from this weekend or last weekend where we were all very sick which sucks and uh, thankfully my wife is out of it and my son is mostly out of it but I am still in it and I was just 
I was just been saying over the last couple of months to people like, I'm just so grateful I haven't been sick in such a long time. I can't even remember the last time that I was ill and then I just get destroyed with this sinus cold. So you can't hear it in my throat because I took a shower just before this podcast and hacked up, I don't know, 20 pounds of mucus might be an over-exaggeration, something like that. Um, Maybe you can hear my voice. I'm not sure. Well, that time you're probably good. Uh, But it's a big sinus cold. So I've got just like this cloudy brain right now and a tremendous amount of pain in my sinus temple areas. And I am alone for this podcast today. So those things in mind, this will be a little bit shorter. I appreciate any uh, uh, understanding and mercy for my ums and ahs, which I do anyway. It's not like... I, I can be fully aware of what's going on in the world and have my, my brain be on point, and I'm still doing long pauses between words and ums and ahs. But I always feel like at least this gives me an excuse to make those sounds and to have long delays. Um, never really wanted to do this podcast by myself at all, but I feel like it's we skipped, took a week off, and I'd like to put out an episode anyway for you guys. Ah, uh, let's, um, okay, yeah, so Harding's gone, I wrote down a bunch of notes, because whenever I'm going live by myself, I feel like I need a fallback, and with, uh, usually I can just say, all right, Harding, you say something, and he'll come up with whatever, might not be the most productive, but at least I can feel like I don't have to talk for a while, and I can gather my thoughts, so these scribbles are my, uh, my fallback, these illegible things that I've been writing down on the page for the last 15 minutes. Um, so uh, also during this time, September 10th, 10th, 2017, September 11th tomorrow, but I'm so sick of talking about foreign policy. Afghanistan war is going on. It's, uh, it's, it's in its 16th year and it's still pointless. The number one thing to keep in mind when conversing with people about September 11th and in regards to Osama bin Laden and stopping terrorism, is the fact that the Taliban made many different offers to the U.S. to hand over Osama bin Laden to a third country to have a trial, and their offers kept getting better and better and better, but they always said they wouldn't just hand hand him over to the U.S., and the U.S. said no, 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 no. So either, they even offered to, like, we'll send him to Canada, and Canada would have just shipped him to the U.S. It was really a way for the Taliban kind of government-ish to uh, save face, like they would actually, were actually uh, not just uh, being controlled and required some sort of evidence and were actually pursuing some sort of a just policy, even as it pertains to Osama bin Laden. And as to the reason why the U.S. didn't accept those agreements, well, I... <laughs> Remember when I wasn't going to talk about September 11th? I would say it's either, I would say in, in my head, there's, it's either one of three things. Really, uh, George W. Bush and Dick Cheney and all those people are arrogant bastards that just say it's it's our way or the highway and we're not going to bend an inch because we're so damn tough because we can send people to kill your people and to die while trying to kill your people. Oh, look at how badass we are not backing down from you know, this group of desert dwellers who whose best weaponry is 40 years old coming you know came or 20 years old coming from the CIA 30 years old and who are 
just basically living in, in a shantytown without any economic development, as if as if you're so tough not backing down from them. Uh, second reason, they did not want Osama to have a public trial because Osama would have revealed things which would have been bad for the U.S. deep state and U.S politicians especially as it pertains to war i think the truth would have gotten out more more at least more clearly about why it was that al-qaeda what did the september 11th attacks and the truth would have been more clear about how the u.s involvement in, in the middle east was not directly responsible but were the reasons behind their attacks in the first place and I believe that some U, maybe U.S. collusion, but definitely U.S. ally collusion with Al-Qaeda to do the September 11th attacks would have gotten out were uh, Osama and various planners of the event held uh, up for trial. That So that's the truth getting out might have been another possible reason why they didn't take a deal. And... A third reason is simply that the military-industrial complex didn't want them to. The deep state didn't want them to. The deep state wanted an endless war in Afghanistan because they can make crazy money and justify expansions of budgets, expansions of arms purchases, and expansions of government at home and abroad, all of which benefit a corporatocracy. (laughs) That's uh, a, a sad reality of our world today. Anyway, that's I think that's the most important thing to to recognize in these conversa- in uh, conversations about about 9/11 and how the U- what the US should have done in response instead of ha- starting an endless war in Afghanistan fighting a group of people who were not at all responsible for 9/11. Uh I would say they're so stupid, but really they're so evil. Okay, anyway, also right now <laughs> And last weekend, we have had hurricanes storming over uh, Florida right now. There's Irma and Jose and I think maybe Katya is also in the Gulf or some shit like that. Last weekend was Harvey. And Harvey hit Houston very hard. I think it was last weekend. Tons of flooding. uh, Dozens of deaths, I believe, at this point. Many people evacuated, stuck in their homes, uh, tons of property, destruction of of various sorts, uh, displaced individuals, really a a tragic event. But let me tell you why Harvey and some of the events surrounding it and how people interact with it and just thinking about it rationally gives me hope for freedom. On Mike Tsip, you're welcome. So I one of my working assumptions with this podcast is that most people listening also listen to other podcasts that are involved in economics and multiple podcasts I have heard or other either seen titles of I have been talking about price gouging. So I don't want to get into that too much, but I will get into it a little bit. Um oh, first first let me just start. Heart with uh, Harvey You've had, you know, some of your stories of, of in terms of uh, cleaning up after the mess and rescuing people. You have some of your typical stories about government ineptitude, uh, government, uh, very cops and 
various sorts of federal organizations actually preventing people from going in and helping other people, telling them to stop, telling them to go elsewhere. And you have some people engaging in beautiful civil disobedience, saving people anyway, despite the state telling them not to. So it's obvious. I mean, everything that happens, everything that government does is pretty clearly with not any exceptions that I'm aware of, although there probably are some. It's, it pretty clearly shows just how incompetent they are because they aren't motivated by uh, really benefiting others, just maintaining their own power and following their own stupid rules. And you've also seen in, in Harvey is this tremendous charity of individuals, whether that be donating money or places like Budweiser starting to can water like the, like they did for Flint, Michigan for a while, I believe. And uh, or people sending water, sending goods, sending supplies, or you have the, the Cajun Navy coming in from Louisiana and people from all over Texas and the surrounding area. I'm sure it's, it extends way further out, but it makes sense that the people more close would come to get in their boats and start rescuing people to uh, people who are stuck in their homes. People are looking on Twitter and Facebook and social media to find individuals and individuals are able to, through these amazing inventions uh, of of the internet uh, created by the free market, they're able to inform people they need help and inform people where they are and how they can help them. So you end up having all these, these uh, at least hundreds of people saved who might not otherwise have been saved were it not for this uh, global communication that we have that's so efficient. So you have these, and, and that is just a charity is merely another market interaction. It's simply individuals saying, I would like to help. I believe that helping others is in some way a benefit to me, whether because it's that's because they're hoping for future help or because it makes them feel good about themselves that loving other people is actually an important value that they hold, so important that it's higher than either the money that they're sending or higher value than the leisure time that they're giving up on by uh, gathering together and helping the people who have been harmed and who are in danger because of the hurricane. Do a lot of hand talking, which normally I can just look at Harding and ignore all my hand talking, but now I cannot. Okay, so so that's a you know example of government incompetence and you know some some uh, beauty of market and charity interactions, and also I price gouging. I'm sure you've talked about, so I won't go into much detail, but it, it basically means that. Various retail stores have increased the cost of their goods during this storm time, uh, during the sort of uh, crisis time, because the demand is higher and their supply hasn't increased. So a lot of people like to talk about this as if it's a negative thing, as if increasing the cost of price is a bad thing for people to do in, in in like a retail store area, as if, as if it's just like taking advantage of a storm, which it is. You do want to, if you can make more money, it makes sense to make more money. But price increasing the price of goods even a lot is helpful 
for everyone involved in the crisis, including the people who are purchasing the goods. Let's let's take water as an example. So one thing look, you see in stores, like a 24-pack of Aquafina is 50 bucks or some shit like that. Uh, that is way more than what it is usually. So what this does is a few things that help everyone involved, in, including the store owner, but... It, much more so the majority of the individuals who are purchasing the water. It helps encourage conservation. So water is scarce like most goods, but normally water is not very scarce at all. So by, you know, I'll I'll paint in the house and use maybe a couple gallons of water from the faucet to clean up all my painting material. And not, not think twice about it. While, you know, my number one use for water is drinking it, there's so much of it and it's so cheap to acquire that I, I don't I don't even blink at using gallons and gallons to clean up after after painting when, you know, I could really conserve a lot more if I wanted to, if I wanted to uh, spend a lot of time cleaning in different ways that didn't involve water. But w- if the price of water was $50 for a a 24 pack, I would no longer be using it to clean my paintbrushes. What would happen then is that I would redirect the water toward only my highest needs. I wouldn't even shower or or bathe. You know, I might wash my face with a a few splashes of water if it was $50 a case and that was my only source of water. Oh, shoot. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. So it encourages conservation. People are much less likely to use water on things that are unnecessary or or less necessary. It it helps the water only go to some of the highest needs, the the needs of highest value for individuals, as opposed to being wasted on more frivolous uses, we'll say. Well, because people, people aren't going to aren't going to buy 24 packs of Aquafina for at 50 bucks a pop to boil and put in a bath so so they can have you know a nice nice warm experience whereas if you keep Aquafina at its normal cost per 24 pack I don't know what that is we'll say 5 bucks depends on where you shop I'm sure 5 bucks a, a 24 pack People are much more likely to use it for a wide, wider variety of things. And as a result, because it becomes increasingly scarce during a storm, people will tend to stock up on it, which means that other people who aren't, who are just going to get it to drink, they're looking for water, don't, there's none left at the store. They are unable to get it because the people who are able to get it at such a cheap price price because the owners of the store did not increase the <coughs> oh geez we might have to end a lot earlier than i was hoping i can't get control of this throat uh, the owner <laughs> the owners uh if they don't increase the price the, the people who come first will stock up on it it because the cost is so low and tend not to conserve it because they have so much of it at a cheap cost. 
Whereas if you charge a higher cost, people are going to but purchase a lot less of it, which will help everyone overall increase the incentives for using a smaller amount and devoting that smaller amount to the highest needs, which will help maintain the supply and prevent the supply from from being uh, used frivolously. Uh, and also, perhaps more important than all this, having a high cost of water, uh, of bottled water in a particular region allows for huge pro- <laughs> allows for huge profit margins for any businesses looking to make money. So what they're going to want to, what they're able to do then, because now instead of making 50 cents for per 24 pack, they can make $40, including, you know, the increased cost of uh, transporting it at a further distance. Now they can make 40 bucks on a pack of Aquafina. They're going to be much more likely to send in more packs of bottled water into the area which will help main, make sure that the supply increases in the area, allowing anyone who needs water to be able to purchase it, granted at a slightly at an increased cost, but that increased cost is what allows them to be drinking water in the first place. I mean, if you're in a catastrophe, it's okay to spend you know fifty bucks for for water every once every once in a while when you need to. It's it sucks, but you're going to make it out of this okay. It's better to have high-cost water than to have no clean water at all. Kind of ironic that people are seeking so much water in the middle of a hurricane. All right, if you're watching on YouTube, so sorry. It's too hard to edit these videos. I suck at video editing. If you're listening on the audio, I'm going to try to cut out uh, most of these coughs. I might leave the first one in, but just so you know, I'm interrupting myself like every 28 seconds to uh, cough into my arm. This is where I could use Harding so I can go get some honey from my poor little baby throat. <sighs> yeah, and then and also along with that, it's it's important to, to mention that as if you allow prices to increase naturally, uh, bottled water will be sent in from all over the U.S. so people can make increase profits on this bottled water. And then what you'll have this steady increase in supply and people will keep getting more water. So you have a steady decrease in demand. And eventually you'll have your supply and demand meet and you will have prices continue to drop, drop, drop until it is no longer financially worth it for companies to send in water from Kansas that they wouldn't normally otherwise send to Houston because the profit margins have decreased because there is enough supply to meet demand. So the fastest way, the, the way to bring prices down uh, naturally, it, or prices will come down naturally in in the free market fairly quickly because there will be uh, so many so many people looking to make a profit, which will uh, bring things back into an equilibrium. And and in the middle of a hurricane or in the middle of a flooded area, that equilibrium will be a little bit higher than normal. Like you might see cases of Aquafina for a uh, 750 might be the new equilibrium until the water secede and things become less of a crisis situation. But again, not that big of a deal. So here's what's crazy cool about that in my brain is as I've been thinking about what to talk about today is that in the case 
of crisis and catastrophe, the market is the best solution to the problems created by things going horribly wrong. Not and the market it feels a little uh, disconnected and and impersonal. Mutually beneficial human relationships, that is voluntary and peaceful human interactions in the middle of of things going to shit is the best way for humanity to move forward. And it is the the best thing overall for everyone. For some reason, I'm dropping a lot of frames. I'm sorry, YouTube. I don't understand why that is. My internet connection is so good and I don't have Harding on ruining it. Um, which is which is awesome. Like that, even when things are at their worst, the government is a shitty solution, and voluntary human interactions is the best solution. Freedom is the best way, and along with that, continuing with bottled water, which I don't buy much of because you know I'm worried about plastic leakage into the water itself but i do so on occasion i have it is a convenience thing i just don't drink it all the time because i'm a little bit uh risk averse to minor risk minor risks also i will jump off 100 foot bridges into water so you know i don't know i am contradictory self-contradictory in terms of my like oh there might be you know a little bit of chemical leakage into this water oh Let's see. I hope I don't break my knee. Uh, in a normal market, in a normal market, as it pertains to water prices, when there is no crisis, when things are just going the way that they should be, quote unquote, whatever should means, it is also the best thing for humanity because I can go to my local Woodman's and purchase a, I believe it is a 30-pack of 16 ounce water bottles for uh, two for four dollars. So that's that's two bucks for a, a 30 pack or a 36 pack of 16 ounce water bottles. If you know, say I'm I'm going camping or some shit like that. So it, that is dirt cheap. I mean, imagine imagine government central planning. What? <laughs> You know, in, in the in a crisis situations, it sucks. And government central planning in a situation that is just normal everyday life would suck. There's no there's no way in hell they could figure out how to bottle water at a total cost, bottle water and sell it in a store and ship it at a total cost of less than two dollars per thirty six without you know, t- tremendous subsidies and they certainly wouldn't be making a profit off of it they'd be complaining that we need more fucking taxpayer dollars to help subsidize the water because without water what would people do and water prices are getting too high because of government central planning what if you just leave it to the fucking free market they'll provide me a, a bunch of water in a bunch of plastic bottles for really fucking cheap and they will actually be able to provide water in crisis situations in in destroyed areas where no one else would be able to provide water or where the cost of providing water would be very difficult simply by uh, the information that prices provide. So thinking about this, getting to what I actually want to talk about, because I spent 
too long rambling about everything. I got shit to do today, like blow my nose and cough up mucus. It's kind of my plan. Do dishes. Hopefully not those three things at the same time. What's cool about this is that there's the nature of reality, the something woven into the fabric of humanity is something inherent in human relationships is that voluntary relationships lead to the best outcomes for everyone. That freedom is better for all parties. That it's a crazy weird thing. Well, I don't know if it's crazy weird, but on, on, on one level, it seem it feels intuitive to say that I engaged in relationship X with person A, and as a result of relationship X, I gained. Now, if I if I stop there, like, it seems like okay, we engaged in a relationship, I gained from that relationship. So, well, it, I mean, it, it makes sense that things would be in equilibrium. So, if I gain, then person A must have lost. But that's only the nature of coercive relationships. That is only the nature of state relationships. That's that's the nature of acting in an unethical manner toward other people. But seeking my own benefit in relationship with others through uh, in, in love is how I would put it as a follower of Jesus. But uh, by acting ethically, that is by acting voluntarily, does not lead to me gaining and the other person losing. It leads to me gaining and them gaining. Well, there's, at least in, in my a small brain, it it does make sense that if someone wins in a relationship, the other person loses. Maybe that's because of some sort of a biological competition built in, or maybe that's you know, some of my family shit competition being built in regarding winning and losing. I'm not sure, but but that's not the way the world works. That's only the way that an artificial uh, evil structure called the state, and uh, obviously individuals can do this too, but that's the way an artificial evil structure called the state imposed upon the world and imposed upon human relationships and interfering with human relationships that win-lose relationships are created by government, not uh, not by freedom. Now it's 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 uh, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of where to go with this. There there's another there's another question with this that is interesting to me from a spiritual perspective, and I know I rarely get into conversations like this. With Harding, I don't know. I think it feels to me like they're a little elusive, and maybe he's a little back. He does seem kind of apathetic about it, which is fine. That's not a, a criticism or anything. Maybe this is just my perception of him. But there's an there's an interesting question of of why it, why a, a bigger question why is the world such. Why are human relationships such? Why is the nature of of reality itself such that that ethical relationships with other people, even when we are all seeking our own benefit, tend to benefit 
every single individual involved in that series of these relationships. Like these relationships, ha- the more of these relationships that happen every day, the more every individual benefits and the more humanity benefits and the more the globe benefits. Um, I just keep repeating myself, but why is that? Like, is there just, there's not like some sort of pre-existent law that says that has to be the way things are. And it's not, it's not inherent in, in everything. It's particularly inherent in humanity because of our, as opposed to other animals, because of our ability to create resources out of nothing, because scarcity is a reality, but also we, we as humanity in general, keeps creating new things and finding new things that people want out of things that people never wanted before. Do you know how useless oil was? 10,000 years ago? I mean, it was good for lighting on fire. That's about it. And now I guess it's still good for lighting on fire, but in such a complex mechanical way that its value is is tremendous for for humanity. There's just um, our ability to uh, rule over our world, to change our world, to make it suit our purposes, is makes it particularly beneficial for us as as individuals to engage in these voluntary relationships where in a, where through our self-interest we end up benefiting the lives of others in various sorts of exchanges and peaceful interactions now now it it very well could be and this is not like uh, I'll say that it very well could be that this is just by chance you know it just happens to be that the way that things happened and the way that the goop formed and humans evolved over the course of uh, millions of years they just by pure chance happened to become creatures for whom uh, peace and peace and self-interest and uh, ethical ethical self-interest happen to be the way that would lead most to human flourishing. If so, how fortunate for that to be the case and how wonderful that things randomly turned out to be that way. That I certainly enjoy that, although if that's the case, then what you actually define as human flourishing i think becomes a little bit unclear because what's good and what's bad i don't know but here's here's the thing from a spiritual perspective this is why the why becomes interesting and it is for me as a follower of jesus it's interesting to have my understanding of austrian economics impact the way in some ways that i think about the world and that i think about uh god that i think about jesus and and what he's like, and uh, just just the way the the two the the nature of the world, God or the world described in Genesis one uh, through three, the way that that lines up so well with uh, an understanding of Austrian economics is pretty. I don't know. It's cool for me. It's a fun little uh, activity. 
But I, I just like you to, to think about, and, and I'm going to get out of here real soon. I just like you to think about like, what, what if, what if there was a God that created the world? And what if this God made humanity in his likeness to be creators? And what if he made this humanity to take the creation he made and use that creation that he made that to enjoy himself and use that creation and change it, manipulate it to create other things which would benefit them. And what if, and if he did, then this is what, this is what that God is like. Something, if he, if he made humanity and it's like this, something at his core or his or her core or its core loves relationship and is relational and loves love and loves human flourishing through peace and the freedom of every individual because he or she may or it made a very deliberate choice in a series of very deliberate choices to make the world and make humanity in this particular way where humans using their, their brains and their hands and their time and their labor to to make something of the world and make something of themselves when they do so in ways that are good even if even when they're only seeking their own benefit also succeed in benefiting the lives of others it is this it is this this god who made humanity so that love for your neighbor and love for yourself are actually deeply intertwined that they can be two sides of the same coin and that the inevitable result of humans treating each other well that is not initiating force on one another the inevitable result of that from a global perspective is that human flourishing will result. And from what it looks like at this time in history, despite all the coercion and despite all the fucking stupid wars and despite the central banking system stealing wealth from everybody, what it looks like is there is not really an upper limit in sight of how much humans can flourish. And just imagine what that would be like in a world where everyone treated every other individual as if they were made in the image of God, as if they were, were so valuable as individuals and, and were uh, so, so important and beautiful that using them that through violence would be deemed completely unacceptable. If, if were that the case, and the more that becomes the case, the more human flourishing we will see. So for me, like, it's just one of these, it's not like a confirmation. This isn't really an argument for God's existence. There's, there's other things for that. Um, it just, it's, it's affirming and it helps me even more to see a God who loves relationship with humans and who loves when humans engage in these wonderfully mutually beneficial 
relationships with others. And he loves when people are full of love uh, for themselves and for those around them. And that that love, that those peaceful interactions are the way that he made humanity, the way that he designed things to move humanity forward in into creating a more beautiful world uh, for themselves, uh, for him, and and for their posterity. All right, I don't know. Hope hope even you atheists found that rambling interesting. Thank you so much for joining me today, and thank you, especially YouTubers, for pushing through my crap in my throat and drop frames and YouTube not being very kind to me. Uh, love you all. Hope you have a, I don't think I've told you guys I love you yet. <laughs> um, uh, I do though. I've just been talking about love. Hope you have a great week. Uh, hope you enjoy yourself. Stay healthy. Go for a run or some shit. Read a book. Play video games. Work hard. Get ahead. Don't be too hard on yourself. Chill out. Enjoy people. All right. Peace.